You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Ruv English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company today. I'm in one of my favourite towns in Iceland, in Borganes, in West Iceland. And I've come to the museum in the town. With me is Kolbrun, who's going to talk me through one of the exhibits that's currently taking place, or one of the exhibitions rather, that's currently taking place in the museum. There's another one and we'll return to the museum for that. But Kolbrun, for now, hello. Hello. Lovely to have your company today. Thank you very much for talking me through this exhibition, which is on for another few weeks. And this is the costume exhibition, an exhibition of various forms of national dress here in Iceland. Yes, that's right. National costume. Where will we start then? Let's start with the Pacefoot, the Pacefoot costume. That was kind of uh, an everyday costume in Iceland. And I think people who are learning Icelandic will recognize Pesa, perhaps. Yeah, and that's the sweater or jacket it's named after. So these items come from the 19th and 20th century. Actually, all the costumes here are remakes, they're modern remakes, and they're all made by a wonderful artisan whose name is Margrét Skuladóttir. And she's made, I think, 30 costumes Gosh. in 17 years. So It's quite an incredible rate, isn't it? And the yeah. detail in these costumes. I'm not a very fashionable person, as you can probably tell. So my descriptive skills when it comes to clothes are not especially great. So maybe we can just talk through some of these items here. This is a full outfit for a, a lady, isn't it? Largely in black. Mostly in black. The Pacerford costume is, is made up of Pacer or a jacket. Mm. It's uh, these three that we see here, are, they're sewn, but they could also be knitted. But very, very, very fine yes. needles and, and, and wool. Then we have the skirt, an apron, under shirt, and a big bow, like a handkerchief yeah. <laughs> and in front. And decorated with, there's a brooch on one side and, and on the other, there's another piece of metal, which is... Actually, the... The piece of metal that you're referring to is part of the tail cap. I see. It is, yes, because there is hair going through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hat here. Yeah. And then there's this silver piece here and then the cap, the tail coming through. And the other items of clothing in this part of the display are, are, are similar, but variations on a theme, different brooches, different skirts. Who would have worn and costumes like this and when would they have been worn? Most women would have worn them. For every, every day, day yeah. yeah. So this isn't for special... I mean, it looks very fancy, it looks very formal, but these items weren't for special occasions. No, they were everyday clothing items. And were they expensive to own? People didn't have a lot of clothes and, and yeah. extra pieces of garments to switch between, so they would have just invested in, in a few pieces of clothing. Okay, we'll move around to some different items here. This, at first glance, looks like something that a man might wear, is it? Absolutely. That's a gentleman's costume. Lots and lots of buttons on that blazer. (laughs) Very much. (laughs) That's the main ornament. Yeah. You can see it's the buttons. I mean, there are what? There are one, two, three, four. There are nine there. Very precious silver. Probably that was a status symbol. Yeah. I would have imagined if you could have afford like fancy silver buttons, you'd display them like that. possible. Yeah. (laughs) And there are at at least two spinning wheels that I've seen as well, and the importance of the spinning wheel. How common were were these items in an Icelandic household? Well, you'd have to have them in every 
every household. It was actually mandatory during a period in Icelandic history to deliver wool. So that was kind of the tax that we had to pay was wool. And you had to make things from wool. So everybody in the household would have to... uh, knit mittens and hand them in and stuff like that. Right. This formed a really important economic role then in making sure people could pay the taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move around um, into the glass cases where we see socks. They look very warm, very long socks. Yeah, those are knitted with very, very fine wool and needles. These are actually different undergarments that were worn. So the socks, woolen socks... An under pocket, there's a loose pocket mm. that you'd wear under under your apron or your skirt, and a hat and and shoes. And I would have said slippers, maybe. They're not <laughs> slippers. They're they're actually the shoes. The shoes. That, yeah. Well, what are they made of? So there's obviously wool on the sole that we can see, but what is the what uh, is the shoe itself made the, of? It has like a woolen knitted insole. But the shoe itself is made of sheepskin, and that was all we had. Yeah. And what I described as the socks are actually well, they're more like leggings, really, aren't they? They would cover most of the the leg, I think. They would go up to the groin, probably. Yeah. 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 They're they're pretty lengthy, aren't they? (laughs) Okay. Let's look at some of the other items that are on display. The man's costume. We've talked a little bit about all the buttons that were on one of the male costumes there: shirt, trousers, waistcoat, sweater. And a hat with a short tail cap. Now, you refer in the exhibition here to the importance of independence and nationalism and how that is reflected in clothing. It says here it's not the case that the men's costume reflected those ideas as much as female costumes did. The romantic idea and the ideals of of being an independent nation, it was kind of put onto the female body. Yes. (laughs) More than the men's bodies. And we also have fewer items of clothing preserved from men. So the like the romantic idea when they were trying to get everybody on board with the independence idea, mm-hmm. they uh, did that also through revival of the national costume, romanticising it. So again, it's that idea, isn't it? That people, for better or worse, pay much more attention to what women are wearing than what men are wearing. Absolutely. That's not changed. It hasn't changed. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit then about, you know, how these notions of independence and nationalism, how were they reflected in women's clothing? I mean, we're not talking about flags, are we, on, on the costumes? No, no flags on the costume. Probably picking up something that was considered to be ancient and traditional or, you know, and trying to bring that back. And how much of this, as we move further around, how much of these items, or how much of this look do you think is still represented on the 17th of June, Iceland's National Day? That seems to be the only time really now that you will see these items or this sort of look being worn. Well, mostly, but also graduations, confirmations on special days. I think some of the schools, like Kvennarskólin. Uh, the, the, the women's school. Yeah, yeah. They have a ball, I think, where people come in or the students come in wearing national costumes. I think think they still have that tradition. These costumes would have been worn as much here in Borganes in West Iceland as anywhere else in the country? Absolutely. Everywhere. You talked about the artist, the artisan who made these incredible costumes over such a, a lengthy period of time. Where would the information have come from? What records exist 
of how clothing was designed and worn in, in the 19th and 20th century, before photography, I guess? Well, through illustrations, mostly, and a few preserved clothing items. And women were still wearing, like, the Pesefurt and Uppleter until the 20th century. There were items still being worn, so that's mostly. And then there are societies, probably most of them sort of started around... Uh, the independence. There is more colour on this side, I think, in some of the costumes that we look at here, costumes that were made to be national costumes. And again, the Icelandic flag is, I mean, the colours are sort of represented here. <laughs> you don't see the flag itself, but you get a sense that this is referring to and referencing Iceland, don't you? Well, these four costumes here, these are actually a little bit different. They're made by Hildur Rosenker, and she's a historian and costume maker and she's made these costumes these are replicas of actual costumes the color and and everything is historically correct yes. they're a bit different than the others long colorful skirts with floral and other patterns at the bottom a mix of red and blue on one of the costumes there are red and gold accents or stripes you would say on the on the arms of the garment and, and, and gold stripes and Belts as well, very important, ornate belts or waistbands, I suppose, yeah. decorated with metal. Yeah, and filigree silver decorated. Both the belts and the, and the bodices are decorated with uh, filigree. Is there a sense that any of this is, I suppose, coming back into fashion? Do you see Icelandic designers in 2023 looking to replicate this sort of feel that we see here? Or is it time for a revival? <laughs> Maybe it's time for a revival. Yes, yes. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it reflected in, in anything. How does all of this clothing work in an Icelandic winter when it gets very cold? Are these practical items? They are, because they're wool upon wool upon wool. Every single layer is wool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's the Icelandic wool, of course, that, as we know, repels water and, and keeps you warm and dry. Yeah, absolutely. This exhibition at the museum in Borgenes runs for another few weeks. How long do people have if they want to see what's happening here? Uh, until September 10th. Yeah. Well, there's another exhibition that we're going to take a look at in a future episode here on Aruv English, just downstairs from where we're standing just now, so we shall return to that in a few weeks' time. But for now, Colburn, thank you. Thank you. This is Aruv English, and I'm Darren Adam. Get in touch with us anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Roof English Podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.